0: I want to take a few moments today and and really just encourage each one of us in the Lord. I'm aware that some weeks, if not a lot of weeks, the word is heavy and challenging and convicting the word is challenging (laughs) when you you preach the word and heavy and convicting. Over the past seven weeks, we've been talking about getting ready to be ready for the return of Christ closer today than it was yesterday. Somebody say amen. amen. We went on to talk and minister on keeping the fire of God burning in our hearts and in our lives. From there, we jumped into sanctify yourself. We're sanctified by the Lord, and we continue with the cleansing of oneself to be vessels of honor and to be vessels useful to our Master. And how the Lord has bestowed honor upon us. As the children of God, as the family of God, what an honorable thing to be called a child of God. I mean, it's really a privilege, one that each one of us have to work at, not allowing to become just routine in our lives. Today I want to go into a very simple but yet precious and important message for each one of us, talking about we are the apple of his eye. We're going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 through 9, and then jump around a little bit to Psalms and Nehemiah and 1 Kings and Genesis and Ephesians Love the Word of God. Love preaching the Word of God. Amen. Deuteronomy 7, verse 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. A special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. <laughs> But because the Lord loves you, your love is extravagant. Because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand. Some of you, his hand needed to be mightier than others. (laughs) just say amen just take it his hand is as mighty as it needs to be for each one of us and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of pharaoh the king of egypt therefore know that the lord your god he is god The faithful God who keeps covenant in mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Lord, we thank You today for Your Word. Lord, we thank You for Your great love for each one of us, Lord. Speak to each one of us today, Holy Spirit. Have Your way. Let Jesus be magnified and glorified in our hearts. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Each one of us, actually, I just want to speak to us individually today, and I want to tell each one of us individually today, right now, that you are a special treasure. Some of us might need to hear that more than others today. Some of us might already have that idea, might already know that truth, but that just needs to be something that burst forth in our hearts today by the, by the mighty working of the Holy Spirit. In Deuteronomy right there, and of course this passage in Deuteronomy, speaking to the nation of Israel and prophetically speaking to us A people who have been grafted into the family of God. So though written so long ago and though seemingly written to a whole nether group of people. Is applicable to each one of us here in this room as men and women of God and part of God's family. We've been grafted in. We've been made apart. And in verse 6 it says that we are a special treasure above all peoples on the face of the earth. Each one of us individually are valuable to God. Not just corporately and definitely not because of what we can do for him. Sometimes we mistakenly think that it's about how well we serve Him or how well we produce for Him. But before you ever were serving God, before you ever responded to the call of Jesus in your life, He still looked at you and loved you and saw value in you way before we ever lifted a finger, a pinky for Him. We are valuable to God. I love how in Psalms, to the title of today's message, coming from Psalms 17, verse 6, and this is a, it's really a a psalm of, the psalmist obviously calling out upon the Lord. Where he reads in verse 6, I have called on you, for you will hear me. Oh, God, incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. O oh you who save those who trust in you from those who rise up against them. Look at verse 8, Psalm 17. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. This precious saying that's become commonplace the the apple of an eye, but not the apple of any eye, the apple of God's eye in this context, and obviously coming and stemming from the idea of just how precious our sight is i mean can you remember before the days where there was contacts and glasses we'd all be many of us would be walking around and everything would be looking like trees hardly any of us would be able to have a driver's license how precious our sight is yet how tender the eyeball is, how much protection it requires, how much nurturing and moisture it needs to be able to function. And here, the psalmist is praying, Lord, that you would keep me as the apple of your eye. You see, the psalmist knew something that that we have to get into our hearts and into our spirits, that we as a people are very tender yet precious to the Lord. He knew it. He somehow in those fields with the shepherds, with the sheep, he somehow got it into his spirit that that he knew, the psalmist, that he was special and he he was bold enough. To call upon the Lord and to to ask God to keep him as, as one of the most precious parts of his body. You see, when you know that you're loved, look at the person next to you and say, when you know you're loved. When you know you're loved, it changes everything. Think about it for a minute. When you know, I mean, we can look at it in just a a, a natural aspect and as flawed as our love is, whether it be from a parent to a child or a husband or a wife to one another, child to a parent, relatives or friends, our love is so flawed yet it makes all the difference in the world to know somebody out there loves you. Somebody out there is supporting you. Somebody out there is is upholding you and you have somebody's shoulder to go cry on when it all comes crumbling down. It makes all the difference in the world to know that you're loved. We walk a little differently. There's a little bit more confidence in our step. We make decisions with with more assurity and more confidence, knowing that we have a partner, knowing that we have somebody that we can journey in this life with. We can engage in in the challenges that we continually face. I mean, it makes all the difference in the world to know that you don't have to face life's challenges alone. But all the more and all the better, When we know that we're loved by God, when you begin to really know that you're loved by the Lord and that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, just as you and your quirky self is. Just as you with all your little nuances and and all the the flaws and that you perceive about yourself. Sometimes that we perceive about the others around us. Sometimes a little bit too much. But each one of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. God created us. Handcrafted. Each one of us. See, I told you today, it's a it's a simple message, but we need to we need to get this deep down in our spirits because when you know you're loved, then you know that God has handcrafted you, and you believe that, and you walk that out in life. It changes everything. You look at all your the circumstances and everything that that seemingly just never cease to come your way. at all. It all begins to change in our eyes when we know that, that God, our Heavenly Father, our Creator, He made us and He loves us. In Psalms 139 and verse 1 to 5, and then we'll jump to 14, it says, O oh Lord, You have searched me and known me. You see, I told you with all your quirkiness, He knows every bit, every little thing that you try to hide, every little aspect of yourself that you try to pretend and you try to fake. The Lord knows it all. He knows us. We may as well just be authentic and real and just be ourselves with one another because God already knows you. And by the way, it would be easier to do that if we would all be much less judgmental and much more loving to one another. Just to add that in there, right? And we're working on it. We're we're trying to do better all the time, each one of us. I know it. Verse 2, it says, you know my sitting down and you know my rising up. You understand my thought from afar off. That thought that you just had just then when I read that scripture, he saw it coming from eternity back. You know my thoughts and you know when we get up where, where we're coming from and where we've been and where we're going. I'm so glad that somebody has the plan for my life and our life in their hand. Hallelujah. Have the blueprints. They have the direction. They know God knows. He knows the plans that he has for us. You comprehend my path. And my lying down. And you are acquainted with all my ways. There's no way that is hidden from the Lord about your life. For there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. We're talking about being fearfully and wonderfully made. And having a creator who knows us through and through. Look at verse 5 and 139 Psalms. It says, you have hedged me behind and before. When, when it's talking about hedge, it's, it's referring to this wall of protection. It's talking about being confined and securely shut in. Besieged. But in the best way, you hedged me behind and before. That's like reading the Amplified version of the Bible, right? Though it's not. And laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. Dropping down to verse 14. I will praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There's not a person in this room or on this planet, for that matter, who does not have the right to claim this verse for themselves. Each one of us being fearfully and wonderfully made. And just think about that. I mean, when we get the wonderful part, but God says fearfully and wonderfully, not fearfully in the sense that somehow God is afraid of something, because I think we all know that, that there's nothing that the Lord really needs to fear, right? Except when he was creating each one of us when he was forming us and making us and purposing us and putting gifts in us and planning out our our families and our futures, fearfully in the sense of he was doing with all the most care that one could do it. Very, very carefully, very purposely that our heavenly Father create each one of us the apple of his eye he's not a god or a father for that matter who shows favoritism over one child over another and as any parents in the room you know that you know that's one of the that's one of the things that we all have to work on when you have multi kids in the house right all got to be equal, (laughs) justice for all, and sometimes some of us even have our kids, does any of us have kids to make sure that it's all, it's equal and there's justice for all? Oh, even that young? Oh man, like just, just has to be equal across the board, huh? Man, they start early, no favoritism. That's kind of hard. I mean, it's kind of hard to think about with the, with the millions upon millions and billions of people all over the world, not implying that they're all saved or have become children of God at this point in time, but to think about how God fearfully and carefully created each one without any sort of favoritism over the other. He created each one exactly exactly how he wanted to there's no second-rate children in the kingdom of God and and sometimes we allow the circumstances of where we have come from things that we have done we put ourselves into the category of second-rate children God doesn't do it, but we do it to ourselves because we've been, we've been sort of trained by way of society and culture that, you know, if you've done this sort of thing, you're, you're automatically worse than this person who has not. And so we bring that mentality into our relationship with God and, and that even... Pertains to those who have had things done to them that they had no control over. People who have been abused and the like. They come into their relationship with Christ and and somehow, again, bringing those old mentalities in with us, we classify and categorize ourselves as second rate, not as good as this person who. That's never happened to them. It must have happened to me for a reason. I must have done something. So many, you'd be amazed at how many people in this room battle with those sort of lies in their life. There's no second-rate children in the family of God. There's no second-rate children in the family of God. There's nobody in here, in this room, or in the world that God favors more over someone else. The apple of his eye, every single one of us. That's a big heart. That's an infinite heart. Infinite. Makes the seas of the entire world look like a little drop of water is the depth of the love of God that he has for his people. Can you begin to see just a little of how special you are to God? You see, in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. I mean, there is a covenant. There is a covenant that God has made with himself to love his people. And oftentimes we we emphasize and We like to put the exclamation point on just God's legal covenant towards us. We preach about it. We sing about it. We believe it. How he saves us and heals us and blesses us. We believe these things. We we believe these things can transpire in our lives. But God's covenant of love with us is the very source, power, encouragement, strength that each of us need in order to reciprocate and to love Him back. You see, none of us would have the capacity to love God had he not first loved us. We can never fool ourselves and think that I somehow can love better than somebody else. Just like there's no second-rate children in the family of God, there's there's no one person who, who loves better than another their love for God without God first loving them. You see, it's a covenant of love. It is a a legal covenant that God has with us. And because he loves us, it says again that those who love him and obey his commandments, God's covenant of love with us, is why he's able to bless us and redeem us and prosper us and help us, all these things that we need and and desire in our lives. But it's with his promise to keep this covenant of love that we ourselves have to continue in this relationship of love. We have to walk in it. We have to continue to pursue it and before you get get too nervous in your seat there for a minute. In 1 Kings 8.23 it says, and he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven, no God above or on earth below that is like you who keep your covenant of mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. There are many people who, over the span of years in history and history, that have walked away from this, this love relationship with the Lord. And sometimes we we begin to ask ourselves the wrong question. The wrong question, in my opinion. Well, doesn't God still love me or my husband or my children or my whomever it might be? My wife? Even if I, we, they walk away from him? We like to go and ask that question, but again, I... Led in by saying, in my opinion, it's the wrong question. The right question being, why would anyone walk away from a God who loves us so much? That, in my opinion, would be the right question. That we have a question of anybody who has their love for God has began to grow faint." And for those who missed just a week or two ago, we already established that, that we can enter heaven with the faintest of burning candles in our life. It's not a matter of how brightly your candle burns, but it's not the goal. The goal is to be a brightly shining light. And the light that shines forth from us is this incredible, awesome love of Jesus in our hearts. The right question is, why would anybody, why would anyone want to walk away from one who loves us so much? All that God asks when he pours his love and empowers our life is he just asks that you would just continue To love me. To continue to love him. And and that we would then walk in this covenant of love together for all eternity. The word of God teaches us in James. In chapter 1 verse 12 it says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Amen. Because, why is this person blessed? Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. All he asks, but yet before he even asks it, he empowers us to do it. To love him. That's all he asks, and, and it says he gives this crown of life. And there's very, there's very little we can see about this crown of life. I mean, some of us, you know, we, we have the idea, and maybe myself included, you know, that you know, we're going to walk around heaven, and some people's crowns are going to have a little bit more bling than some other people's crowns, right? Like, look at my bling on my crown, right? My, my crown, I need, I, need, I need help. I need to wear a neck brace because of my crown. Right? We walking around with a neck brace because our crown is so heavy. The 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 weight of the gold is more, the jewels are more, and everything else. Yeah, I don't know how the crown of that crown works, right? And whether it's even a that crown. Because I can tell you that there's obviously a crown that we'll receive, and this crown represents some sort of honor and some sort of recognition for our life of loving and walking with Christ upon this earth. But, but there's also this crown that even now, as the people of God, he crowns us with his love and his mercy. Even now, God begins to crown his people. I mean, it's like like how a prince goes and walks around. He walks around with his shoulders a little bit higher and back. And with, like we said earlier, just more confidence with this crown. It's really a crown of confidence that comes from the love that God has poured out in our lives. To those who love him promised to those who love him. You see, our Heavenly Father loves you more. Now hear me today, because it's going to seem like a contradiction. He loves you more than anyone else on the entire face of this earth. He loves you more and you more. And you more, 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 and me more, and you more, and all of us. He loves all of us more than anyone on the face of the earth, individually. It's a concept that is just, that is just so hard for our, our finite brain to grasp but one that many of us, if not all of us, have experienced. And we even see it throughout Scripture. I mean, we see it in Genesis 37 and verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Well, you know what Joseph? Joseph was walking around like, look at me. You know, I got the coat. I mean, the coat ended up, you know, torn and ripped and blood on it. But so just sometimes it happens when we have to wear the coat but he got the coat it's a sign joseph being that one that was going to be a type of savior joseph being the one that was going to god was going to use to save the nation of israel type of savior and here it says israel loved joseph more more than all his brothers John 13, 23 says, Lying back on Jesus' chest was one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Somehow, I mean, there doesn't go around saying that about every disciple, but somehow we're getting this picture of this intimacy. And we begin to see it where the scriptures begin to teach us. Christ came to seek and to save the lost. He's come to include us in his plan. He's come to empower us to fulfill his purposes in our life. Now, listen to me. Individually, to each one of us individually, when Jesus pours out his love into your heart and into your life, it is like we say to ourselves, how could he possibly love anyone else as much as he loves me right now individually I know the day when I got saved I'm like he loves me he loves me I wasn't thinking about you I wasn't when I'm in, you know, spending time in the presence of the Lord, you know how many times how if you want to just kind of clear your head and forget about everything going on, good or bad or whatever, just go get in God's presence in your prayer time, in your devotion time, and just put on some worship and find yourself in the presence of God because before long you're gonna be saying to yourself, to him out loud, he loves me. You're gonna forget about everything else. Because he loves each one of us individually, seemingly more than every other person on planet earth. Wow. Fearfully and wonderfully made. And this is why we can... Look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17 through 21, and it sort of begins to make a little bit more sense for us. It's one of those passages that we'll spend the lifetime trying to, to reckon and, and sort of grope and get revelation on, but in Ephesians three seventeen, it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you... Being rooted and grounded where in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. Let's, it, it doesn't miss anything, right? It says, What is the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love? Of Christ, which passes knowledge, Hmm. that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Then, then verse twenty comes. Verse twenty, Ephesians three, verse twenty. Whew! It's one of those. It's one of those ones. It's one of those ones. Now to him. Who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Exceedingly abundantly. I mean, I mean, the, the writer through the Holy Spirit is just trying to like emphasize as best he can, exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to. To the power that works within us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. Back to where we started, to a 1,000 generations to our children and their children and their children. This covenant of love, this promise of it being passed down to the generations that are following us, that we can start a new lineage, if you would, with our families, with our lives. Many of us think, oh, man, I've, I come from such, a, from such a wreckage behind me. It matters not. It matters not where you came from. It only matters that in Christ, being rooted in Christ, and in love where we're going with him. <laughs> Exceedingly, abundantly above. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Our problem with that passage, and not, none of us vividly say we have a problem with that passage. We like that passage. Right? We like, we're like, man, that's a good one. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to put that one on a fridge. Right? Some of us already have plaques with it in our home and over doorways and everything else. We love that scripture. We love the promise of that scripture. But we still have a problem with it sometimes. Our problem is not with whether or not God can do that. Our problem is whether or not he'll do that for me. You have no problem, all of us. And some of us have no problem at all with this and are walking in it and everything. But there are some of us that as beautiful and as powerful as that scripture is, it's like one of those scriptures that we take and we're like, oh yeah, that's a great promise of God for Joe. For Tom, for Becky, for Susie, for Juan, for Young. (laughs) That promise is for you. And when we begin to know that it's not only God can do this, but God can do it for me. God can do it for me. God can do it for my family. God can do it for my children. God can do it for my future. That passage, that scripture, that promise, it's for you. Exceedingly and abundantly above what you could ever imagine. God can so do and will so do in your life. You're the apple of his eye, fearfully and wonderfully made. The one whom has this God, who has this covenant of love with each one of us. Let us not doubt his ability. Let me rephrase that. Let me correct myself. Let us not doubt his desire to do it in your life. He desires to do this in your life. Once we begin to get into our hearts, into our identity, how valuable we are to Christ, whether we live in a mansion, or we don't have a pot to in. Almost, you know, sometimes you've got to just kind of walk a little careful. Whether you have it all or whether you feel like you have nothing, once we begin to know how valuable we are to Jesus, we individually can believe God for this exceedingly abundant, great provision in our lives. Jesus loves you probably more than you'll ever know. I think it's one of those things we're going to do for eternity is just grasp the love of God for us. I think it's what's going to keep eternity interesting. you are more valuable to the Lord than you can comprehend today. Maybe for our duration here upon this earth. God's plan for your life is better than you would have ever planned for your own life. Even that best plan. If you would have just had that golden pencil... Write out the plan for your life. It wouldn't touch. It wouldn't, even, it wouldn't even begin to scratch the surface of God's plan for your life. Each one of us are the apple of his eye. If you would, go ahead and stand to your feet, please. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just just stand and just close your eyes for a moment. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Just open up your hearts to the Lord right now. Just, Just, just don't be distracted for a moment. Let's not talk to anyone on our left or our right. And just open up our hearts before the Lord. And just let this word just sink down deep let, it just, let us just saturate in it for a moment you are so valuable to the Lord each one of us each one of us individually so valuable he loves you more than anyone <laughs> each one of us he loves seemingly more than anyone else Hallelujah. Just let your identity, let your identity just rest in that, not in where you came from, not in who you are, not in how successful or how much of a failure you feel you are. Our identity doesn't come from that. Our identity comes in Christ. We're found in Christ. We're a people who are found in Christ. Christ becomes our life. Christ becomes our center. Hallelujah. It's a covenant that he's made for us. He empowers us. He empowers us to fulfill the covenant that he's written for our lives. He pours out his spirit. He turns on that that love machine within us. That love machine that was, that was broken, flawed, still seems like it is many days. But he's empowered us to love him. You want to love your, your wife, your husband, your children? You want to love them better? Love Jesus better. Hear me. Let Jesus love you. And you love him. You'll begin to love Much better when you love the Lord more. When we just work at just loving Jesus. Just loving Jesus. This covenant of love to those who love Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we rest. We rest in Your love today, Lord. We rest in Your love today, Lord. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. You know, there's there's a a half a dozen different things going through my heart that I could pray with and for you for this morning. But I just want to just have a time of worship and a time of just, just general prayer for us. But what I would like to do, rather than calling out anything specific, if you're feeling the tug of the Lord, the tug of the Lord in your life, that you just need... Some aspect of today's word is just working on you. It's just resonating in your heart right now, in your spirit right now. You just want to come and just let it be established a little bit more before we leave today. Just go ahead and come up here. Just come up here to the front, just for a moment, just by way of giving you an opportunity to respond and putting our flesh, burning our flesh a little bit killing our flesh a little bit and responding to just the word of God, the moving of the spirit of the Lord in your life. Just come on up. Just come up and just respond. We're just gonna, I'm just gonna pray a general prayer. I might walk around and just pray for a few people while we worship. But just come and find a place right now in the mighty name of Jesus as the Lord is speaking and working on your heart right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Just come, oh, Lord, we need you, God. Oh, we need you, Lord. We worship you, God. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. Oh, we thank you for what you're doing in each individual person's life, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor today, Lord, that you would be glorified, that you would be magnified in our life, Lord. Hallelujah. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, I pray.